This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. And with that, we have a, a really fun treat this morning. We get the, the Tom Square. We get uh, T. Diddy and T. Fizzy this morning. <laughs> Bring the word this morning. It's going to be so some good you, stuff. Yeah, Bring it, brother. Come yeah, on. It's going to be good. Wow, Let's give him a hand. It's going to yeah, be good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you it's going to be good stuff. <laughs> Mario, he pulled that T. Diddy thing out. He's getting better at that. That I was know, good. So That's like good. It. You like never, it. Never been called T. Diddy before. You can call a lot of other things. <laughs> But T. Diddy, I, I don't know, I, I might embrace it. I, I guess. think you should. T. Surf it. T. Fizz. Like T-fizz. J-Lo, T. Fizz. Like J-Lo? Okay, well that's... So yeah, because it's Tom Fizzemeyer. So fizzy is something you have been kind of... Fizz, fizzy. Fizz. It's a few other things probably not appropriate in this venue. Yeah, right. uh, but yes, I've had many names. So many if, names. if you've not met um, this Tom here... Um, Tom and Donna joined our community three and a half years ago, mm-hmm. three, years, three and a half years ago, something like yep. that. It's a great discipler, um, great teacher, um, was, is Dr. Tom Fizemeyer was, was a dean of faculty at Gordon-Conwell, and so had great, actually um, was a real influencer um, for bringing Carol uh, Kaminsky out here, which over 200 of you gathered together in Old Testament. Um, seminar, yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was fun. She's great, so we're looking forward to yeah. um, the new, new Testament. So thank you so much, and thank you, thank you for coming, thank you for being here. You balcony people, you all have your places <laughs> that you sit, and you know, I, if some, I, if someone sits in your seat, just greet them and say, you can have my seat for today, but next week is mine. Okay, so you can do that. <laughs> No, don't do that either. Um, but so glad you're here. So we're in, we're in a week five of this series from 2 Timothy, four chapters in 2 Timothy, um, and, and the series has been called Living Forward. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but just some, some background. We know that um, this letter is, is Paul's last letter before his, his death. No one really knows how long it was after he wrote, you know, that he was martyred, um, but his last letter, so we read it with that sense of what's, what's going on. Paul is the spiritual father, right? So he refers to Timothy as a spiritual son or his beloved son. So there's real, um, real intimate yeah. dynamic going on there, isn't there? It's yeah, a very, like, very close relationship yeah. between the, the discipler and the disciple. And uh, yeah. it's, it's certainly true that when you have that kind of relationship with someone, there's just tremendous intensity of love. Yeah, really intensity. It's, it's not like just another letter. There's, there's emotion there, yeah. I think. And Paul kind of leaving his last look, this is what I want you to follow. I may not be around long. So that's kind of the background, a little bit, little bit of the context of, of 2 Timothy. But I want to talk about why we called it living forward, because I don't think in the last four weeks I've ever talked about that. You know, why did you call a study in 2 Timothy living forward. And here's what I wanted to share with you, because I believe that, we believe that God has called us to live with passion, to live intentionally, to live out his purposes in life, that we are to move forward every day as disciples, advancing the kingdom of God. That's what we're to do. Nowhere in, um, in this letter to, to Timothy, nowhere will you find Paul saying to Timothy, hey, just forget about that backup just a little bit. We're going to go somewhere else. You don't see that. In fact, you don't see that in the Bible at all. No. You know, you just don't, do you? It's like it, we're to be people who advance the gospel in the face of opposition. Always the case. And yeah. so, and I, I, I like what you said. You know, we're, we're at the close of Paul's life here. Yeah. And he is not pulling any punches. He is right. 
he is being very straight with Timothy about what Timothy needs to do. And it's, it's, it's an, an intense uh, part of the gospel. It is. It's all about seeing the gospel advance and take, <laughs> take hold and take, take, take root. Um, but there is nowhere that we're, we're to retreat. In fact, um, all the apostles, except for one, John, right? Mm-hmm. John died. They were, they were martyred for their faith. So you didn't see any retreat there. Oh, that's right. Took them right to death. <clears throat> um, and one of the early church fathers, a guy named Tertullian, yeah. talked about this. And uh, what was it he said? Yeah, so he said this, that the seed of the gospel is the blood of the saints. That's powerful. Think about that. The, the seed, seed of the gospel is the blood of the saints. Yeah, it was in Carthage, North, North Africa, stood yeah, in that Colosseum, yeah, yeah. right? The, the remains of the Colosseum. <laughs> and in the, um, the, the, the tunnel, I guess, into the Colosseum where, where Christians, um, followers of Jesus, were, were fed to wild animals, right? Yeah. But the stories that we heard, like they stood there and they sang the hymns of the church. And Tertullian goes on, he says his uh, uh, persecution actually strengthens the church. As martyrs bravely die for the faith, onlookers convert. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Then, then think for just a moment what your kind of default response is to opposition, um, maybe for your faith. Because we're going to like talk about that, talk about this morning. It's no wonder that Paul calls Timothy, you know, a, a good soldier. But then he goes on with these instructions out of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And that's what we're going to be focusing. So if you have your Bible, um, your digital Bible, whatever you have. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. and verse 1, Paul says to his son in the faith, understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. But understand this. Now, depending on what version you're reading, um, NIV says, but mark this. And so you can almost get the sense, right? It's like you're sending your kids off. You go, do you just remember this, right? <laughs> it's the last word out the door. Last word out the door. Mark this down. That's, that's, that's kind of what's going on here. Mark this. King James Version, this know also, and then the NLT, right? You should know this. So from Paul to Timothy, like, you should know this. Mark this down. So understand it. So um, the follow-up question is like, what is Timothy to understand or mark down? Yeah, so I think there are two things, right, that Paul's emphasizing here, and we're going to talk about both of them. The first is, is that we're in the last days. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. And the second is, it's going to get tough. It's going to be hard. There will be times of difficulty. So those are the two things we want to focus on, last days and then times of difficulty. And um, so if we ask ourselves, we begin with, what are the last days? What does that mean in the Bible? Well, early on in Scripture, it's always focused, particularly in the Old Testament, it's focused on the, the coming salvation and judgment of God, which happened at the end of time. But with Jesus, we have a, a, a whole shift that goes on here, and what we come to discover is that the end of the world is actually a two-stage operation. Uh, theologians like to talk about the already and the not yet of the coming of the kingdom of God. So there's an already part. The already part is Jesus' coming, his death, and his resurrection. Then there's the not yet part, which is what we call the second coming or the consummation. So now this is a two-stage thing, and all of church history, all of our lives are lived in the last days, or if you will, the end times. So people yeah. would come up to me and say, Tom, do you think we live in the end times? I'm saying, yes, we do. 
And we've been in the end times for 2,000 years. Right, the last day. So there's a, there's a good analogy maybe that can help you with this, written by a guy named uh, Oskar Kohlmann, who was a, a German theologian, and he said, look, it's like this. Think about the, how the war in Europe went, Second World War, and he said, you had D-Day, right? June 6, 1944, you have the invasion of Normandy. And with that invasion, then, the Allies secured the beachhead. Then there's about 10 months of warfare that has to take place before they get from D-Day to VE Day, victory in Europe, when the German Reich collapses in Berlin. So Coleman says that Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection are like the day of invasion, like D-Day. And then there's this war that continues to be fought, but from the moment the beachhead is secured, the end is inevitable. The destruction is going to happen and the kingdom will come in its power. Now the thing is, for you and I, we live between D-Day and VE Day. We live between the first coming and the second coming and like it was for those soldiers, it's a battle. It's a battle for us to live faithful to Christ. But that's our calling. I think of my, my own dad, I think I mentioned this mm. at first service. I have my father's war record. He was in the Second World War. And his war record says, entry into Europe, June 11, 1944, Normandy. And he was an NP. And so he left at the end of the war at the Potsdam Conference. Everybody else went home. He had to work the conference at the yeah, end of the war. Yeah. So he was there for the whole thing. We're in this battle but it is a battle which has already been won at the cross and in the empty tomb. Amen. We will continue to fight it out, but... Amen, so it's accurate to say that we are living in the last days. Absolutely. The last day will come, but we are living in the last days. So when Paul's talking to Timothy, he says like in the last day, that's for you and for me. Yep, right? that's it. So yeah. Gary Demarest puts it this way. He says, in Jesus, the kingdom of God has broken into history. The new age has begun. The last days are now until the last day when he shall come. Gordon Fee said, uh, an old professor of mine, the early church saw the increase of evil as evidence that the end has already begun. So Tom, uh, yeah. you know, as we think about this concept of the last days, do you, do you see it anywhere else in scripture? Yeah, I, th I think, and we're gonna point, I mean, yeah, the answer is, is yes. And I think it's important for us to understand what we've been talking about, that this is a letter to Timothy, but for us, right? right? So when right. Paul's talking about the last day, so yeah, for <laughs> sure. And we see some behavioral evidence of, of what we will see in the last days or in the time that we're living. But Peter also referenced it. It's kind of an interesting reference. Second Peter chapter three, verses one through three. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved, in both of them I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember their predictions, almost a, yeah. you should mark this, yeah. right? You remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this. First of all, the scoffers will come in the what? Everybody say last days. Last scoffers days. will come in the last days. And are we in the last days? Yep. Yes. Everybody. Yes. 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 <laughs> okay. Yes. So the scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own evil desires. It's kind of interesting when you kind of dive in to what a scoffer is. 
So I think what we, we often like, a scoffer, yeah, if, I, if you scoff me, you're going to like yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 just, yeah, what do you know? Yeah, what do you know? That yeah. like that. But it really, the, 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 the Hebrew language really takes us deeper into that word scoffing. So let me just kind of read to you a definition I drew um, about that word because I think you're going to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, we see that. Here it is. A scoffer <laughs> voices his disagreement, ridicules all who stand against him and actively recruits others to join his side. So in the Hebrew, um, it also means you're like you're an ambassador. Yeah. So when you're an ambassador, you are out there trying to... Trying to pull people toward your own belief system. Exactly. So a scoffer not <clears throat> only stands in disagreement and ridicules, but also tries to pull you in as an ambassador, actively recruits others to join his side. In the Bible... Scoffers are those who choose to disbelieve God in his word. They say in their hearts, there is no God and make it their ambition to ridicule those who follow God. Do you see that in the last days? Of course we do. So like, so I was thinking about yeah. this when we were talking at the first service. So there was uh, a few years ago, there was a, a group of people known as the new atheists. Anybody ever hear of these guys? Yeah. Richard Dawkins, mm -hmm. uh, Samuel Harris, uh, uh, and uh, Christopher Hitchens those three guys, and they were called the New Atheists, and they were scoffers of the first yeah. order, and they were recruiting people to atheism. No question about exactly it. Exactly what we see going yeah. on there. Yeah. Yeah. And we see it active in the world today, but we're gonna to talk about that. So uh, Paul, Paul gives some behavioral evidence, we'll call it, of the last days that you, that you see. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses two through four, for people will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Are there any other questions? Yeah. I can see Paul going, oh, I think I had that one. I think I had that one. I think I had that one. I think, okay, very Yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's a, yeah, it's, it yeah. is a copious list. Yeah, then he goes on saying, like, <laughs> these have the wow. appearance. Now, this is really important because we're going to talk about this. These have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power at the same, at the same time. Um, and, and then he issues this imperative, avoid these people, which leads us. All right, so, kind of Tom, I've, yeah. I mean, I've... I've I have a question for you yeah, yeah. <clears throat> on this because, I mean, aren't we actually told we're supposed to go and make disciples? We talked about that yeah, a yeah. few minutes ago, and yet we're told at the same time to avoid such people. Can you uh, yeah, yeah. So clarify that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I think that's what we have to kind of work out as we read this because you go like, okay, I'm just going to walk <laughs> away from all these people that perhaps God is bringing into your life. You might not even like them. And you're like, I'm just going to avoid them. But I, I, don't, I don't think that's what the, what the scripture is saying. Because as, as people who are to go into all the world and make disciples, we are going to engage with, with, the, with these people. This is just kind of how, how I, I kind of work it out. That there are, there are, there are uh, people who live in an ungodly life, people who we are called to. And, and then there are those who have the ability to influence others. So I kind of draw a little distinction there. And Paul kind of identifies these as, as creepers, the people who creep in. We'll see that a little bit later. People who kind of worm in. They're identifiers. You can actually identify them by, by, by their, their fruit. And I think there are times in our life when we just need to shut out the influencer. 
the uh -huh. in influence, who is seeking as an ambassador, perhaps, to kind of pull us away. So I just wrote this, avoid such people, and by extension, avoid being drawn into this, this type of li living or thinking. So I call them in influences. And you know, I was reading in, the, um, in Deuteronomy this morning, in my Old, my old Testament reading, um, th this was a continual warning from God to the Israelites. Oh yeah. Right? It's nothing new here. Nothing new. So like you avoid <laughs> intermarrying, mm -hmm. right? Well, yeah, because the, the pagans, right. that's, that was the gateway for paganism to come into Israel's life was somebody would marry a yeah. pagan woman and all of a sudden, all the, all the exactly. pagan stuff Avoid comes idol worship. Mm -hmm. Avoid. So this is a warning, warning from, 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 from the beginning of time, really. Yeah. And people, like human nature, people, right? So I, I just go like, avoid the influencers. So I, I was thinking about this just a minute ago. Yeah. I had a, a guy in my first church who got swept up in Scientology huh. because he didn't, he didn't pay attention to this word. Yeah. He, he started getting influenced and influenced and they were ambassadors and they drew him in and he was sucked into that for four years wow. before he finally got out. Wow. Still wow. goes on, that's the point. That's yeah. Paul's point for yeah. us. And we see it in the last days. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's all, all of that. So we've talked about yeah. uh, the last days and the nature of uh, the last days um, and some of the telltale behavior that Paul just yeah. mentioned that goes along with it. But the second thing uh, Paul wants us to understand or to know or to mark is that these will be times of difficulty, times of difficulty. And uh, that word can be translated in some various ways. Uh, some have suggested hard to bear, troublesome, or even dangerous. These times would be hard to bear, troublesome, or dangerous. And that's an appropriate description if you look at the world that Paul has just described. If you look at a culture that is characterized by those kinds of behaviors, these are the things that Paul has mentioned. And um, I just would put it to you this way. When you read your paper or your news feed or wherever you get your news in the morning, do you feel like that we are more and more and more living in times of difficulty? Mm. Are we seeing the destruction that false teaching brings into our world? And moreover, are we beginning to get a, a whiff of the modus operandi, the method of operation of false teaching yeah. in our world? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really important thing to consider. And how, how do these operate? These yeah. influencers, all these false teachers, right? And it's something that you and I have to sit on and, and try to understand and allow the scriptures to, to teach us because they are out there. Oh, yeah. They're everywhere, right? There's false teaching everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women. Now, I'm just going to stop there for just a second. Because <clears throat> Tom's going to explain gullible women in just a minute. No. <laughs> um, so, I, I would just say, it perhaps is not what it yeah. appears on the surface here. We'll talk more about that. But anyway, so just, just hold on. Gullible women who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we're going to kind of walk through this, pa this part of the passage carefully because it, it looks like Paul's picking on women. Uh, he's not, but it, it can feel that way if you don't understand what's going on. Well, right? and some interpret it that way, and they right. like interpreting it that way. Yeah. I don't go along with that. I, no. I want to make a framing comment to start with this. 
that I learned uh, from my old teacher, Gordon Fee, that yeah. we mentioned a minute ago. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Fee taught us that a text out of context becomes a pretext. I'll say it That's again. Good. A text out of context becomes a pretext. And this is one of the best examples. You know, people read this out of context, and they say, well, so we, we should have no women leaders, women shouldn't be able to speak in church, they shouldn't be able to teach, blah, 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 blah. And that's, that's a view that people hold, and that's fine if they want to hold that view. I think it's a mistaken view, because I believe that they're reading these verses out of context. And let me give you the context, which I think is the key to understanding what Paul's saying. This is taking place. Timothy lives in Ephesus, one of the great cities of the ancient world. In Ephesus is built the temple to Artemis. Artemis is a female deity. This temple is so huge, it's so big, that it was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. The temple of Artemis celebrated a goddess who was considered the goddess of uh, childbirth, uh, kind of the goddess of midwifery, if you will. And you went to the temple and you prayed to Artemis, if you were a woman, to give you safe birth. Or if you were really in trouble while you were giving birth, you prayed to Artemis to give you a quick end. So there was this tremendous influence, and we actually read about some of the financial stuff around that temple uh, in Acts, but there was a tremendous influence of the temple of the worship of the goddess Artemis in the whole city of Ephesus. And it's that worship that becomes the problem. So what you have is women who are coming out of that background, kind of waking up with an an Artemis hangover, if you will, (laughs) who are coming into the church, but they're still formed by these teachings they haven't quite been able to free themselves of. And that's why Paul is saying, look, in in the chapter before this, we can't have these folks teaching. It's not a universal concept, it's a particular concept here because of the particular problem of the Artemis cult in the life of the church at Ephesus. That's the context. That's the context. So it's in this context that we're told these women are coming out, they've got particular issues, they have some burdens, sinful pasts, and other things that are going on, and what Paul is saying to Timothy is, look, this is a problem, and it's a problem across the board. Paul says to the Corinthians in chapter 11, Everybody is subject to false teaching. Not just women, but everybody is subject to this. You and I are subject to this. And I think that's the point that we're making here, is what Paul is saying to Timothy about this false teaching thing is is something that comes to all of us uh, in the world that we live in today. We're bombarded by false teaching all day long. And it's not just outside the church. Oh, no. No, right? no, no. So you have this, you know, again, worming in. Yeah, you know? yeah I call them creepers, right? Creepers who are creeping in. Worming in yep. into the church. And so the question is, um, how, how does that happen um, in a church in a, yep. or in our personal lives? And, and I think kind of the best way to um, describe that is to come into vulnerable areas, you know, or maybe where our guard is let down just a little bit and go like, well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, and I think this is what happened to my friend. He, yeah. he was hearing a teaching that he thought, this is pretty good, and he started going to seminars. And that was the front end of the false teaching. And they, they seek out vulnerable places. It's why 
we continually talk about standing on the truth of the Word of God and being consumers of the Word. Otherwise, we, we, we put ourselves in a vulnerable position, right? The door is open just a little bit. The window's cracked just a little, little bit. Give you a little illustration. So <clears throat> Jen and I have the privilege of having her mom, Jen's mom, move in with us. Good. Now, I said it wrong at the last gathering. I said I had a really scary moment. My mother-in-law moved in with us. And that's not what I meant. But Jen is here today, so I'm trying to clean that statement up. You, did, you, no, you really did well. You did well. Okay, I'm so, so proud of you. It's a privilege to have <laughs> Jen's mom in. And in the process, I had this really kind of this yeah, scary moment. That was, you know? was scary. Yeah, it really was. So we were preparing her home for sale and been over there working on it, you know, almost every day. And so I think it was last Sunday after, after we were through here when Nora was doing a little work. And, um, and then we locked up the house. Yeah. I'm very... Um, in, intentional on that. And then, Jen, I went over a little bit later and checked things out. Everything's locked up and everything's fine. And the next morning, I drive by, usually do, drive by, and the, the front door is wide open, and the interior door is open, and the light is on. Now, I will tell you, I did not do that. My wife didn't do that. And now I'm thinking, uh-oh. That's exactly what I was thinking right there. That, wah! You know, uh, so that's kind of what I thought, you know. So um, I peeked in the window, and then I went in. I figured, I don't know what I'm going to find or who I'm going to find. And I checked all the closets and everything. No, nobody, was, nobody was in there at the time that I was in there. But here's what happened. There was a vulnerability. I don't know what that was today. We, yeah. we just can't figure it out. But there was a vulnerability that allowed someone to enter the home. And I want you to think about that. Think of your life as the home, right? And exactly. What, are you, yeah. what are the vulnerabilities? Exactly. Your yeah. life as a home. And what are the vulnerable spots that these people can work themselves into? Where's the crack in the window, perhaps, or the open door or, or, or access? Or a legitimate need right. that you have that you want something so desperately you're willing right. to hear anything that makes you feel better. Yeah, right. All of those are vulnerabilities. So we have we to all be. have. We yeah, all have. exactly. Yeah. We have to be people who stand on the truth, and his name is Jesus, and he's given us his word, right? Yeah. So yeah. these false teachers come, um, and that's what Paul's talking about, and then he uses this really interesting analogy. He, he talks about something that happened to Moses, which I was like, what, yeah. what Moses? Yeah. How do we get Moses in the story? But he, he mentioned something that happens, and you'll remember it if you've read the book of Exodus. Remember Moses has his staff, and God ordains that staff to be an instrument of his miraculous power and so forth. And Moses is before Pharaoh, and he's confronting Pharaoh about the, the destiny of the Israelites. And there are two guys that show up there named uh, Jan, what is it, Janus and Jambres. Yeah. Those guys show up, and all of a sudden there's this like showdown at Pharaoh's corral. Yeah. Right? There's going to be a power encounter. And Moses is demonstrating the power of God. And these guys are like doing little magic things to try and offset it. So the point here is they have in front of them a demonstration of the actual power of God through what Moses is doing. But they are so falsely wrapped up in their own teaching that they just are denying what's right in front of their eyes. They're just denying it. And that's, that's one of the problems we have. And Paul says, don't be like this. Don't be like these guys. Don't be resistant 
to what God is showing you in his teaching, what he's clarifying for you in exactly. his word. Which I think is the way Paul kind of wraps up because he says to Timothy, after all, he goes like, you're not like one of them. You are not like right. them. Um, and in doing so, I think Paul instructs you and me, because remember, it's to Timothy, but it's for you and me, this, this letter. So, uh, Timothy from Paul, and I, these will be my, my words, as kind of describe what Paul was doing. You have followed the, the teachings, my teachings, or scripture, right? Yeah. The teachings yeah. of Paul. Right. You are following them. You have followed my conduct. So, follow me as I, I follow Christ. You've been influenced, and there's that word again we talked about mm -hmm. earlier, by my faith, my love, and my steadfastness. And then you've watched um, as the Lord has rescued me from, from suffering. Mm -hmm. So, Timothy, you've seen all this. You're not like one of those. Here's, here's what describes you. So, Timothy, continue in all that you have learned, even from childhood. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then the scripture that, that perhaps many of you have have committed to memory. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture. So let me give you an analogy, the difference between scripture and false teaching, okay? Now this friend of mine, actually my best friend, uh, Jeff, who lives over on Bainbridge, was a carrier pilot in the Navy and he was an instructor in jets. And years ago, he was telling me about part of the, the pilot training syllabus in which the trainee gets put under what they call the bag. So you have to be put under a bag, which is basically a canopy that prevents you as the trainee pilot from seeing anything around. You can't see outside the bag. All you can see is the instrument panel in front of you. Now, the training pilot once the student pilot is under the bag, just messes with the airplane, puts it upside down, reconfigures it, different course, different speed, different altitude, dirties it up, puts the flaps down, whatever it is, just to really mess up the airplane. And the task is for the trainee who's under the bag to ignore all the external stimuli that he's feeling in his body and trust his instruments. It's his instruments that are going to get him home. It's his instruments that are going to save him. It's his instruments that bring him safely home. And here's the point. For us, the Bible is the instrument panel. And we have all kinds of distraction, all kinds of noise, all kinds of external stimuli coming at us, trying to confuse us. And what we've got to do is focus on the truth of Scripture and let the Scripture lead us home. Trust your instruments. Trust the Bible. Yeah, that is such a great illustration. You know, and I, as you were talking, I thought there's sometimes that we want to depend upon our feelings. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's... To lead us, right? Especially in this, this day and yeah. something. We were watching a show, I think it was last night, Donna, the, the, the person was talking about something in value. He said, well, I just trust my feelings. Feelings are good. They're part of God's goodness to us. But apart from the word, Jeremiah says they become, you know, deceitful. Exactly. And I think that we are seeing that today, flying under the bag, trusting the scripture to lead us. Yeah and to guide us. Sometimes um, our feelings are opposite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we close the door to that. Right. Right. 
because scripture we believe belief. what all scripture, all scripture is God exactly believed, right exactly that's why well I'm gonna give you just kind of uh, five quick applications here something you can take home with you from second Timothy, Timothy chapter 3 number one Christians are to live aware of the days that we are in we are in the last days right yeah. and we're to live aware of these things that are around us the potential vulnerabilities in our life open doors cracked doors cracked windows whatever that allow false teaching to kind of take root. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I have discovered that false teaching begins with just something small. Yeah. It's just a seed. Well, here, I'll go back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah. When Satan comes to Eve in the Garden of Eden, you remember what he says? When he comes, he says, yeah, did God, God really say? Yeah, just a seed. Just, did God really say that? Yeah. That's all it takes, that's the turn. And then the disintegration begins. Exactly, exactly. So we're aware of the days we live in. Christians are to live with expectation of what God is doing and will do through faithful followers. So we, we get up in the mornings, right? We are living in expectation. God, what are you going to do today as I remain faithful to you? Christians are to live different than what we see in the world. That's, that's, that's the holiness. Holiness. That's what we were talking about earlier. Right. And we don't live holy lives to be cool. Holiness means to be different, but our differentness is to be a sign to the world of what they are called to be. It's not so we write them off. It's for to remind the world of who they are called to be in Jesus Christ. And in so doing, we become the influencers. Then we become the influencers. As we that out. Christians are to live with purpose, regardless of the suffering or persecution that comes. We live with purpose. Number five, Christians are to be committed to the Bible that leads us and guides us each day. And that illustration of under the bag, we're to fly under, under the bag. So as um, leading my team here in an exercise of going deeper in Scripture by asking why questions, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we actually, in my men's group, we, we talked about that Genesis passage, you know, why? Why did Eve listen to the Serpent, mm. why? Mm. Why did they have a conversation? And then allowing that to take us deeper yep. into the scripture, yep. not away. Right. Right. Pulls you deeper. Pulls, you, Pulls deeper. you deeper into the purposes and the revelation of God. Right. So I'm going to pray. And uh, here's what I want you to do. What, what area, maybe a vulnerability might there be in your life? Maybe not. Um, uh, are you seeking to be an influencer? Maybe the prayer you will pray long with me is like, God, I want to be an influencer where you have placed me, right? Some of you, God has placed in some pretty tough spots. Um, it's, for some of you, it's your home. For some of you, it's your work. Um, for some, it's where you do life, and it's really hard. But God, how can I be an influencer for you? Help me to, to be that way. Help me to live with purpose. And I would pray that all of us would um, continue on or make a brand new commitment to God's word, like we're gonna fly under the bag, right? Exactly. That's what we're gonna do. Exactly. So will you, will you pray with me and then we'll stand in just a moment and conclude our time. But Father, I thank you for your word that leads us and guides us. That's such a powerful illustration of flying under the bag. God, we trust in you. We trust your word. Sometimes our feelings lead us just a little bit astray. Um, that can happen. God, help us to be rooted in your word. In the, in the, in, in the, the, the scripture that leads 
and scripture that guides our every step. Your word is a, it's a light, lights our pathway. We trust in you. I, I pray that all of us, and maybe it's even a daily prayer, is God, where in my life might there be a kind of an open vulnerability, an open door, maybe a cracked window. God, I pray that in my life. Where is it that you want to use me today? How can I be an influencer for you in my world, wherever that is? And God, I thank you that as people committed to your word, you do lead and guide us. And as we lift up you, we don't lift up this church. We don't lift up Gateway. We're not drawing people to Gateway. We seek to draw people to you to make your name famous and see others disciple. We give our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? Closer than a brother, there is no judgment. Oh, how he loves me! I've got a friend, and he is my strength. He is my portion. With me in the valley, with me in the fire, with me in the storm.